Hello and welcome to the 90 Minute Cynic podcast. I'm your host as always, Chris Gallagher, and I'm joined by um, the Count of Monte Cristo. Um, it's Christian Wolf. I don't get that reference, but I'll take it. I don't get that reference, but I was calling you Cristo. Christian um, Cristo, I think that's all there is to get about it. I think you were calling me a Count, but that's... Um, you know. Can you wait your fucking turn before speaking? Yes. Good. Class. <laughs> um, off to a bad start. Uh, again. Again. Um, no, Christian Wolf is here, Christian. How, it's been a while since you've been, as, as you mentioned, a guest well, on the pod. That's true. Um, we did the uh, X90 Cynic uh, Tactical and Stats podcast last week, and I'm glad just to be back as a guest because it's... It doesn't look hard, but it is hard being a host. There's a lot of work. There's a lot of pressure. A lot of time, especially on the you know on the joke section, which can fall a bit flat. But as I'm, <laughs> I'm good just to have my tea, my my cookie, and uh, yeah, yeah. We've don't got do co- any work at all. Uh, we're not in any way. Uh, Bout dying in the corner. Um, he might not last the pod. He may not last the pod. Um, but we'll get a couple of signals in there. Um, do you want some water? Want some milk? Um, what I like there is um, he was going to answer, but then I thought, no, I've not been introduced. Class. Uh, Christopher Bowd, the Bowdertron, the Bowdmeister General, Bowdington Steel, Beardy, Beardy Bobag, Bald, Bald Beardy Prick. <laughs> Sorry. Thanks for the. <laughs> That's just his Christmas card. Um, it, uh, it was detailed, it was accurate. Pretty you know, accurate. Can't complain. Um, especially with the prick part. Yep. Nah, the prick. housewife's prick. <laughs> It's true. Um, no, Bowdy, it's great having you back. Um, you were producing the last podcast, the X90 podcast. I'm sure you learned a lot in terms of tactics and awareness. Attack the space, attack the ball, um, shoot, all the stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Danger zone, X, DZ, XG, they love the later letters of the alphabet. That's what I've learned. But, you know, the, they're all of X. In the original week, I even got three more letters at the end. So we have 29 letters. Do ah. And O. That's ju- that's, that's letters that X-O. we have. You're just using. <laughs> that's how you say A, um, A, and O. That's that, existing letters. That's also letters when you're a wee kid, like in primary school. You don't say A, you say A. A big kid that eh? it's like you know. Hey, it's three more than you. It's good. not though. It's the same ones. Yeah, it's the same ones, Christian. I think you. Your language is broken. Ah. <laughs> you can making it. The A longer doesn't change it. This is it does look like he's won there, though, I'll be honest with you, because he's just <laughs> shouted at you the yeah. word that he said. Uh, anyway, um, so that that podcast is available um, on our Spreaker account, but it is dying, um, on our Spreaker account and our iTunes. If you could follow us on iTunes, um, just site, search for 90 Minutes and Ink on iTunes. Uh, possibly you could give us a little uh, subscribe and a little message of support. We're doing this for free. We just want to, just want you guys to like us. To be honest, we just want validation. We just exactly. want validation. That's all this is and about. if you can't get it on Twitter, where will you get it? Um, where will we get it? If you can't get it on Twitter, yeah, I thought you were doing something funny, but obviously no. not because you're Norwegian. Um, NintendoMinuteCynic.com. Um, okay, this kind of leads us into our first point. Uh, the supplement, the most recent episode, are. Edition, edition of the supplement, yes. which is uh, produced by the wonderful Christian Wolf with um, some help from other cynics. Keith does a lot for it as well. Keith, is, Keith has stepped up, to be fair to him. Um, <laughs> <he's> <laughs> 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 it, it, 
it's exciting times in the, in the supplement camp uh, and, and the WhatsApp group. So really the isn't. next edition, <laughs> bounce I, on it. I yeah. left it after I actually, about a week. I left because it was smart, smart. Oh, Jesus, uh, get a life. He loves all the chat, especially the League of Ireland chat on Fridays. That's that is fantastic. That's one of the reasons I patched it. But now we're uh, joking, Ryan. Next supplement is out uh, a week on Friday or a week on Saturday. What we're going to try and do this time is have the PDF version of the magazine ready for the launch. If uh, if Keith uh, in fact does step up, so our theme this time is uh, European nights. Oh, yeah. okay. And that'll lead into, obviously, hopefully maybe something might be written about one of the great European nights in the history of Glasgow Celtic, which may be on Wednesday. Maybe. Maybe, maybe. you can write something this time. I possibly could. Uh, but but it's the, the fifth edition is going well, uh, and it's it's free. It's it's a whole magazine just for you, for free, uh, about Celtic and about everything else in football. It's There's history, there's there's interviews, there's stats, there's tactics. But it's not just about Celtic though overall, is it? It's about, it's kind of it's the Celtic broad, in the world. Yeah, it's a broad sort of spectrum of different and interview interviews and articles and interesting stuff. Celtic heart full, clear eyes, something like that. Aye, something like that. Um, but one one of the interesting points is we, have, we did a podcast on and the supplement was based around politics and football and it keeps coming back um, to kind of being brought up to from a, the a media perspective, um, it's on Twitter. It's on thingy. There was something kind of said um, on Saturday by uh, someone on Twitter about the the banner. Um, there was a banner, and um, if you want to talk about what the badge banner kind of represented, I think it was the Green Brigade doing what I think is is at their best. You know, um, having a. Uh, political view, if you want to call it that, about the treatment of fans in in Scotland. Um, it's worth repeating it. In Scotland, we have a law that only targets people who go to football games or even watch it in a pub. And if that's not targeting one specific, you know, part of the population and yeah, um, treating them differently than somebody who say might go to a rugby game uh, I don't know what it is but basically the Green Brigade had a big banner saying um, I think they said uh, guilty of oh. criminalising football fans and there were seven I think it was seven or eight pictures of various politician policemen and so on that um, they feel like guilty of that so obviously it's it's quite a hot topic about around the um, OBFA the Offensive Behaviour at Football Act it looks like it will be Reversed in the Scottish Parliament sooner rather than later, and that really can't come soon enough. And fair play to the Green Brigade for making a iconic banners. Yeah, terrific. I think. Yeah, but you would probably echo Christian's statements. Some people making. Kind I'm of all for it. I'm all for the institution. Um, football fans need to get their act together. Uh, no. <laughs> oh, you've went the opposite of what? Uh, no, it's an, it's an unforceable law. It's ridiculous, as Christian says. It's it's really part of a class war because, as we know, football fans are ultimately, <clears throat> typically. I'm sorry, just kind yeah. of hold all that. Um, That's it. Working class, and as Christian said, you wouldn't have that at a rugby game. Um, Scotland has this. <sighs> The political class of Scotland like to pretend that all of the sectarian problems of Scotland can be wrapped up as a, a football problem, um, and they're not the religious bigotry um, that exists in this country, and thankfully a lot less um, now than it did in the past, Yeah, um, is something that, that runs through society. 
It was institutionalised, um, as I say, obviously much, much improved over what it used to be. But let's not pretend this is a football problem. And every crime that people can talk about, oh, well, if you didn't, if you were not singing something sectarian or you don't have problems, you wouldn't, you wouldn't have a problem with it. Hate laws exist already, and they can be used. This so, is a law against something <coughs> offensive, without defining what offensive is, and without having somebody in prison to actually have to be offensive. It's just a reasonable person, without defining reasonable. Uh, might be offended about it, so it's 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 uh, unfortunate. It is a law is could be very easily misused and often is and is absolutely unnecessary. So it's to the you know I don't have to go completely political, but you know I don't think it does the SNP any good uh, in terms of you know there's a lot of people probably around our group as well who's, who's quite pro independence and you know don't mind SNP too much, but this law is just something they should have backed down. From quite a while ago. Yeah. Also, the people making comments that it was a sexist banner because it had women on it, which it wasn't. No, I don't, I don't think it was. Um, you know, there's there's a specific police constable there um, on the banner, and the reason she was on it was because basically a judge, um, when a case came up that she was a witness to, said she was. I can't remember the exact words, but she was seen as quite unreliable witness for that. So that's why she's on it. Yeah, you know, and, and, and but this so, is the thing. I mean, in terms of the Green Brigade, you don't have to agree with every single thing they do, or every single aspect, or every single banner. But as I've said before, I, I think politics and sports does mix because of Spout says football isn't separate. It's part of society. It's a reflection of society, and it's one of the main cultural pastimes, if not the cultural pastime of society. So, of, of course, you should be able to express political views through sport. You don't have to, um, but don't come here and say that they shouldn't make so the Green Brigade shouldn't do it because, especially with the history of Celtic, I think they're absolutely well within the right and the legacy of Celtic to do it. Yeah, good stuff. Um, completely agree with you with all that. Um, the as we say, the if you want to check, listen to our political podcast, politics and football, check out. Um, it's on our iTunes stream, it's on our Spreaker stream, and you can get links to it. Um, if you just search for them, you can get it. Um, but let's focus on the actual football itself. So there was a, an interesting game on Saturday. Celtic took on Dundee um, at Celtic Park. I myself was in attendance. Bowd, you saw the second half of, of said game? Uh, aye, and I was working, unfortunately. Oh, you don't be so sad about <laughs> it. I was very sad. Are you I okay? what sounds like an amazing game. <laughs> uh, Christian, you saw, you saw <laughs> most, of the, most of the highlights. I, no, I've, I've actually caught up with the whole game. Um, Great stuff. Yesterday, actually. Uh, true, uh, totally legal site. Where yeah. you, can, you can watch those kind of things. But yeah... Um, it was quite similar to some of the Dundee uh, games we saw under uh, one Ronnie Dyla, I think. Uh, there's been a question around whether, you know, uh, Alex Lawrence, who at the 10 Space, who's on our uh, Tactics podcast. He's our wee pal. He is our pal. Um, I have so, so many gigs now, it's weird. Yeah, you two really have a bromance going. Yeah, so you're going to be talking about tactics and stuff. So. One on one soon, I reckon. But uh, no, he's he's obviously wrote a piece about the Rangers, Celtic Rangers games, where he, to a lot of criticism, kind of talked about the Rangers pressing and their setup in at least first 50, 55, 60 minutes of that game could be something that other teams might want to replicate against Celtic. Uh, and that would be one way of trying to stop them. 
And I think we saw kind of similar uh, Hibernian doing something similar. Uh, I think we saw Dundee trying to do something similar as well, where they try and just basically occupy the middle of the of the of the pitch as much as possible, and trying to force Celtic to play around them, um, and not trying to give anything away in terms of space and and, and staying really really close to to Celtic when they get the ball and pressing him quite you know sometimes quite fairly high up, also dropping that back and then pressing, um, especially uh, I think. Um, Kwasi and Nasham on um, this game. So I think they were they were quite in, in Celtic's faces for a long time. And again, obviously we can go into the game in a bit more detail, but again, Celtic finds a way um, to beat them. But yeah, it wasn't a vintage performance. Um, but then again, Celtic can't do vintage performance every week. Um, <clears throat> just highlight looking at the opposition, uh, uh, Kamara, the number eight. Oh, my new favourite player. I'd, I'd never really, I'd probably to, to you know, not worry. I probably should have been paying more attention. But Glenn Kamara, Finnish international, um, and uh, he really caught me, caught my eye through the whole game. I thought he was, I thought he was excellent. I, I thought he was, was superb. Good on the ball. He's strong. Uh, you've got ex- explosivity around him. Good passer. He's always. Oh, I think he's only twenty-one. Or becomes twenty-two quite soon. Yeah. Um, Looks a right prospect. Quite an interesting background. Born in Finland. Um, Arsenal youth. One League Cup game for Arsenal. I think he was on loan to a couple of other uh, clubs in England. But yeah, he. he I mean, it's it, it's quite an unfair comparison. But if you compare him to Kwasi, I you couldn't really tell who was playing for for Celtic in the same game. Although I think Kwasi had. I don't think it was too bad. Uh, you know, he he looked really good. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, we should always look at the opposition and maybe say, you know, it's not necessarily always a, about us um, having bad games. The opposition up here can at times be quite quite engaging and quite interesting. Uh, Bout, he went with um, he, Sir Brendan. Not Sir, that's bad. We don't like that, do we? That's, that's no. Um, Mr. Do you, do you think he would take a knighthood? No. no. Would he? He I might. Mr. Rogers? No, that's <laughs> Rogers. <laughs> Brendan, Brendan Rogers. B-Rod. See the Celtic. Okay, the, let's just call him the Celtic I, manager. I like B-Rod, I'm, it's, I'm honest. Oh, B-Rod. Okay, B-Rod. B-Rod. Rodimus Prime. Yep. Rod, okay, that like fucking rain it in. Um, <clears throat> what did you think of the lineup that we had? Because we started 4-4-2. Uh, sorry, well, 4-3-3, really. Um, McGregor, Kuasi, and Encham in a midfield hadn't had a lot of experience playing together um, I think that's kind of why it kind of are you happy with um, B-Rai B-Rod Brendan Rodgers are you happy with him kind of taking risks and experimenting with and essentially a, a, quite a youthful uh, midfield it is but then you're saying taking risks if, if we're assuming that Brown and Armstrong weren't ready yet weren't fit fit and back yet or there a, is there a huge number of options that he could have went with that would have been more experienced well he could have played Ayer at centre half and played bit on in midfield yeah I don't know are we there yet can we start yeah. yet? not yet okay yeah but I don't I don't know if that would have been much, these are no these are just options, yeah I, yeah I know but I'm just yeah I don't I don't think he had a huge number of options there um, and you know what I think that could be a very good midfield once those players... McGregor obviously has had quite a lot of game time, but once in Cham 
and Abu get more game time, then potentially um, they'll be substantially better and they'll have gelled a lot more. But just the fact Abu's barely played, the Chams a little bit uh, off form at the moment, although again, he's just not had a huge number of games for us. Uh, but yeah, I don't think Rogers had a huge huge uh, number of choices in midfield. Yeah, um, what I thought was, uh, from you know be- being in the stands, I'm not there every week as much as I'd like to be, um, Kouassi, uh, his positioning, I thought was excellent. Um, I, th- I think he can read the game really well. He knows where to be at the exact points that he needs to be in different places. He looks aggressive on the ball. He looks like potentially... <clears throat> again, this is only after a couple of uh, kind of watching a couple of his performances. He looks to me like he could be in the mold of a Scott Brown. Um, as I say, breaking up play, finding the space at the right time, uh, blocking, um, getting in between the lines, which is a phrase I've heard people use. Whoa. This is getting way too hipster. <laughs> um, but uh, to me, it looks like he's going to put in a tackle and he's actually going to be quite a little, have that little bit of aggression that Scott Brown's got. Bit of bite. Bit of bite. Uh, his passing on Saturday was frankly abysmal at times um but then again so was in chams as well and cham had there was you know three or four big opportunities where we could what i thought about saturday overall was our second ball and our second bounce every time was really really poor so we would win the ball back in midfield um with a, a nice piece of play and that pass the pass from having won it back would always be too short the player would always misread it or it would just not be the right ball for that kind of moving forward. And so from that point of view, it was a really, really frustrating performance. But as Boud says, that could be quite an exciting midfield, the three of them put together. Do you have a question? I have a question from uh, at Ben the Tim. He's asking, are fans getting on the charms back too quickly? He's only been at the club for four months and he's still young. Boud? <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think there's a couple of aspects to that. I think, I think the fact we spent... Was it four million or three point eight million or whatever it was on him? Um, which for Celtic is a lot of money, especially for a young player. He also in those first couple of games looked really exciting, and it looked like he was just going to get better and better. And he's not. He's he's um his his form stepped as I said. So I think people are just they're waiting for him to become this absolutely fantastic midfielder that he has the potential to be but we just want it to happen a little bit too quickly. And the fact we've got Brown out, the fact we've got Armstrong out, we could do with him stepping up to the plate, and it's not quite happening. That said, he obviously scored the winning goal at the weekend. Terrific finish as well, to be fair. Yep. Um, oh, it's a fantastic goal. Uh, although, you know, hitting it from distance. Not sure about that. I should have been in the danger zone. But XG. <laughs> X danger zone. Uh, I'm loving this. Um, You're all converted, almost. No, I'm okay. not converting me. Um, <clears throat> what I what I would say on that kind of point is that um, I think it's okay for fans to get frustrated because, as Boud says, we brought in a player for a big big fee in terms of what Celtic can kind of afford. Um, he's came from Manchester City. He's played 36 games for um, was it Genoa? He was at um, last season. Yep, yep. Um, so he's played in Serie A. Um, but I think people are expecting a player to come in the, the finished article. Celtic aren't necessarily going to ever bring in at this point a player of that a player rated that highly that's going to be the finished article. Dembele still is rough around the edges. Yeah. Um, if Cham was the finished article, we wouldn't cost for him. Yeah, if Cham was the finished article, we wouldn't be able to get him. Is kind of the point I'd say. So it's okay for fans fans to be frustrated. It's how they 
vent that frustration. Um, so that was my first game of the season. I went to a few games last season. This was my first game of the season this season. And I had a season ticket for about 15 years. And I saw uh, through, you know, Dr. Joe, I'm God, Lou McCarry, Dr. Joe, uh, Martin O'Neill. I seen the best and the worst of Celtic fans when it comes to patience. And you can see the frustration that Brendan Rodgers has on his face when the fans get on players' backs. And Cham's only 21. We need to remember how young he is. Um, having said that, I'm not going to kid on I wasn't frustrated as fuck when he made two ridiculously bad passes. But it seems like we're having this discussion every season. You know, if it's not Armstrong, you know, that got the same criticism. And then it was McGregor. Then it's not Sham. I mean, Sham is obviously a player with huge potential. Clearly, it is. I don't. I think he was poor against Andalus away. Although he, he had a fabulous pass to set up the first goal. Beautiful. And yesterday pass he of the season I, and against PSG as well. You know, he, he wasn't good. But then again, who, who was? I think yesterday uh, on 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 Saturday he was he was okay. I don't think it, it's it's kind of. There's a little bit of confirmation bias creeping in there, I think, in terms of he's now seen as, oh, he's in a bad slump. So every bad thing he does is excited, picked upon, focused on, whereas I thought he, the rest of the Celtic team had a nah, game, but it, I don't think it was terrible. And I, I, I think, as Bout says, he does need to you know, step up now, and I think tomorrow is a huge game for him. Um, we'll, we'll get, obviously, to tomorrow. Um about when a player's in that sort of position of maybe not having the, you know, maybe going through a little bit of a slump um, when they're so early into the club, do you keep playing them? Or do you maybe give them some time out? It's a tough one, I think, because if you keep playing them and they keep having, you know, get their form kind of either stays at the level that's not ideal for us or kind of drops a little bit further, it's hard to get them out of that. Whereas counter, counter to that, they could, you know, break out of it. Yeah. No, well, because we I do have it, other options. It, that's the yeah. Well, it depends. Uh, yeah, it depends on the exact situation. I think in Cham, there's still games there, um, but with a team like Celtic, you have to win every game. The manager's got to weigh up: can I, um, can I afford to continue to play someone? And again, in Cham, I mean, it's, it's not like he's been utterly a bit moan all of these he's games. Not. He's, he's, he's not. Um, people, but, people, I think. Yeah, sorry, you go. On. Well, yeah, there has been, as you say, there has been wayward passes and there have been a couple of performances that are below where you would hope. But um, no, I think you still give them time. Uh, but B-Rod's got to look at each game as it comes. Um, and we've also got... We've got plenty of games coming up for us. Plenty of games and plenty of midfielders. So there's going to be rotation there. So there's room to give them a break and give them games as well. Excellent segue, about. We've got a question from uh, at pdizzle88. Of course we do. He says, BR, as in who we, you know, known to us as B-Rod, BR makes too many changes to the team and performances suffer, dot, 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 like Saturday. Discuss. Um, as Bout said, some of those forces on, um, some of those changes on Saturday were forced. Um, I mean, ultimately, Sinclair, Griffiths and Roberts, uh, that's been our front three for maybe the last three or four games. Um, so he's keeping he's keeping that consistent. Um, Tierney will always play um, when he's available. Um, Boyata has been playing. The, the mid midfield three was different, but 
as Bowd says, that's due to the fact that Armstrong was injured, Brown was injured, Bitton was playing at the back. Um, and it's one of those where I like managers making changes, big changes. I like changing the team. <clears throat> Martin O'Neill um, in the past had his side when when Celtic were, when he was a Celtic manager. He had his side and that was it a lot of the time. And we talked previously about how myself and Sermani about how Martin O'Neill, you know, it took a lot of time to trust him. And how you couldn't really get in the team because you know he'd always go with the tried and tested. I like the fact that um, Rogers B Rod is you know changing up um, the squad, giving people time. The fact that Henderson came on, um, I, I, I like Henderson. I think he's great. I just the Henderson coming on, I just think is a bit of a wee shame because he's so close but he's so far away at the same time, and I just don't see him ever having the opportunity to break in. But is is he mixing it up? Is he mixing it up too much? Too much? Well, not really, because we're winning. We're winning. The performances maybe the performances look disjointed. Saturday was a very very disjointed game of football, but that's because five or six of those guys hadn't necessarily played together. I agree on the midfield changes. I think they were largely forced. Oh, here we go. We know I, who's I, coming. I, I think that's a good. <laughs> I think it's a yeah. As Bowd said, that can be a really good midfield. Front three is. Maybe the first choice front three now, although we'll get on to this. I'll probably wouldn't have Griffiths starting tomorrow. The back four is interesting. I mean, we have a lot of questions on Yoso. Um, the boy Moss, Yoso missing again. Is Yoso taking over as Celtic's Mr. Made of Glass? You said Celtic's dad in Andleton, that's uh, what he fucking is. Jamie67 underscore says, with six games in under three weeks and Yoso out, would you, would you, and when would you give Chris Ayer a chance? A couple of more here. Uh, from at the green white hoops uh, is Joseph a liability due to his fitness issues and has Eric lost any chance of being a regular CB due to his patchy form last season um, Tommy Hanlon 81 question for the podcast should be punt Joso can't rely on him a lot of questions coming in about the back four especially the centre halves and I think in you know come back to your question there Gal and on the rotation wise I would have if I was B-Rod, B-R... Uh, We're going to get slaughtered for this. <laughs> I would play the centre half that I'm playing on Tuesday. Sorry, on Wednesday. So tomorrow in the last game. So that tells me, is he then going to... Because that... I mean, you should beat Dundee without any any any, any changes. <laughs> I was going to say anybody in, in, in defence. But the back four he picked on... Saturday was interesting because he gave Gamboa his first start in ages. So is he thinking, you know, Lustig in? Pace. But if, if Lustig is coming, I think Lustig, um, was, although he's been playing for Sweden, uh, I think he was fit. He played in Sweden's last game. I think he is fit. I, yeah. I would have maybe played him in that game against, just for him and Boyata to get one game under the belt. Um, and to be honest, he wasn't going to get too much of a... Uh, hard time against Dundee, really. Uh, well, it came, but I mean, that. in terms of intensity, to 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 be um, fair, it was as well. Too. So I'm, I'm maybe Roger's selection of his back four uh, for Saturday becomes more clear with the team tomorrow. But I, I thought it was, you know, it, it's it's there's a lot of mixing and matching in in, in defense, and a lot of it is intra driven, like like you also. But other thing is, you think you try and settle on at least a centre half pairing. Um, as well, but I don't think he has. I don't know if he's even decided who's who's playing tomorrow. If it's going to be a bit on a Bayata, which I don't think it should, but if it's not, you know, who would you play? Just just on the point about um, you know the fact that 
you know, we should always be beating Dundee, and obviously I I agree with that because you know we are the champions and they aren't necessarily in the best of form. They get a jobby of a manager, um, but it was two pretty stunning saves from De Vries that kind of kept us in the game, and towards you know the last what. What was really, really, really frustrating for me was um, so they went man for man on us um, when it came to buy kicks, um, and so De Vries didn't really have an out outlay. So what he would do is he was hitting it long, and every single time their centre halves won the ball, Griffiths because their centre halves are taller than Griffiths. No matter how no matter what, how much of a run up Griffiths had, um, he still you know couldn't win the ball. So every time it went from our goalkeeper to them having possession and there was so many times when they would their centre half would take basically take two strides and he's into our half and therefore we're on the back foot um people are talking about De Vries should be oh you know there's a lot of people saying on twitter get started De Vries against um against Bayern Munich first I don't understand why people are so down on Craig Gordon um, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying he's the perfect goalkeeper he certainly has flaws, of course but he's a far better goalkeeper all-round goalkeeper than De Vries is De Vries's distribution was um, brutal but I'm not saying that it was necessarily his fault, I think any keeper in that situation would have um, struggled um, he made he made two, two great saves and he does look like he's he is a good deputy, but in that situation, Christian, what do you do? How do you break that? The fact that they go for man for man and there's just no outlay, there's no out ball. When they pressure us that way, um, they push us up the pitch and they're man for man on us and no one can drop deep for it. Yes, it's a little bit worrying because... Because Hibs did it as well. Hibs did it and it's a like, perfect example. I come back to, again and again, this British Mission grab back home last year where they just Celtic could just not get out of their own midfield because the pressing was so precise and it's so so well timed. I think there's a lot there's a lot to do with Brown being out. Brown drops deep and he he's quite comfortable in, in doing it. I think you had two midfielders there in, in Kwasi and Sham who maybe wasn't as tuned in to their defenders. And then again the defenders, you have Bitton back there whose distribution had I think he had one good ball out, he had two or three other ones which were, which were terrible. I also think I like McGregor slightly deeper because I That's, think McGregor can come yeah. in and actually he's happy to pick up the ball in quite a tight space. I don't know if while Kwesi and Sham is maybe happy to have the ball when they face the right way and they can pick a pass, especially in the Sham. You know, they don't seem too comfortable in dropping deep, having somebody on their back, um, maybe turning uh, and finding some space, which McGregor can do. So I would have McGregor further down um, and Especially, he's done a couple of things against Rosenberg specifically. He dropped down all the way uh, beside Brown and kind of helped Brown out. Because what happens as well, if if you have two deeper midfielders in the high press, it's not if if your one deep line midfielder loses the ball, you have somebody who can more easily recover it rather than if you have one deep one. So it's I think it's it's a mix between some of the wrong players in the wrong positions and some of the players not really being in tune to each other. Um, for me, McGregor isn't a number 10 at all. He's no. better when he's running with the ball. His final pass isn't great, which I'm not criticising him for. That's just... I think McGregor is good at the reviving in the in the 10 space um, yeah. rather than occupying it. I think Rodriguez is, is, is better at that. Um, what I thought was quite interesting was, you know, in the second half, we kind of went to a back three um, uh, and he kept Gamboa on. Uh, and Gamboa was basically playing in a, as, you know, as a back three. At times he did kind of 
push up and overlap when he could, but he was basically playing kind of the right hand side of midfield uh, defence. But why did they not bring on um, the Norwegian Cafu, Christian Ayer? Why did they? Why do you think you didn't bring on Ayer? And wh- where are, are you getting to the point now where you would prefer to see? Ayer being blooded more than bit on a lot of questions about Ayer as well. Oh, can you Mostly for me, but honestly, can, 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 I I'll, I'll, I'll delete this podcast right now. <laughs> no, uh, no, my general feelings would be I, I would prefer um, to see Ayer uh, to bit on and centre back. However, oh, however, there's a caveat. Uh, there is uh, always a caveat, and B Rod will be delighted to hear this. <laughs> uh, I can understand why um, he's chosen bit on in some of the games. Uh, particularly Saturday, we've already talked about the number of changes that have been yeah. brought into the side. Well, spit on this season isn't a starter necessarily. He's someone that's played a lot. He's got a lot more experience, obviously, than Iron's played a lot more games. Um, so it possibly makes a bit more sense um, to have him in there than Iyer when, um, say, your right-back's not your normal right-back, your keeper's not your normal keeper, the majority of your midfield isn't your normal midfield. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, so maybe brings what you'd hope would be a bit of stability there. Yeah, that's a that's a fair enough point. Um, when do you think it would be time to start blooding in a year? Uh, tomorrow? Uh, no, <laughs> um, as soon as possible because we are struggling with right backs. But uh, sorry, right back centre backs. But yeah, I think as soon as you feel confident, if we've got Brown and, and Armstrong back, then well, you, the, the weekend actually is a cup. That's the league semi, so... So you're looking probably after Aberdeen that. is the Wednesday after. That's fine. Right. Aye, not a problem. <laughs> so I've Same got a lot, best team in Scotland. Aye, we've got a lot of tough games <laughs> coming up. Um, what about yourself, Christian? You, you've seen probably a year more than we have um, in your dreams, <laughs> um, etc. No, from what from what I've seen personally, he looks a terrific, um, an absolutely fantastic-looking prospect. I've seen him a couple of times for Kilmarnock, and he impressed me every time I saw him. Um, is the... Bit of betonification of the Celtic defence is that. It's not bad, right? Beton uh, occupying that uh, yeah, space oh there. Dear, oh, oh, come oh, on. Dear. oh dear! <laughs> the b- betonification of the Celtic defence is that. Uh, will that kind of have long term effects? Well, not even long term. Will it have short term effects on our year? In that he might go out on loan again in January because if he's not making. Yeah. This would, I thought Saturday would have been the perfect... I know what you're saying about you have the defence that's maybe going to play in Bayern, um, but at the same time, if Jozo was available, Jozo would have played. And up until today, we thought Jozo was going to play. When you ask, when do we start blooding in IR, I think the answer is two months ago. I, and I thought he, he was doing it, because he was getting um, a couple of games against Kilmarnock, played against Rosenberg, uh, of course... <laughs> Him and Beton and Lustig didn't have a very good game in the in the Stana, obviously. But you know, by, by all reports, something I was any worse than those two. And I think the, the simple fact comes back to experience or not, Christopher Ayer is a better centre half than a Beton. I, I think it's as easy as that. And I think he has obviously a lot more potential than Beton there. I think, as Bout says, I think I think. The reasoning for choosing Beton is as simple as he has more experience. But then again, you got a, a twenty-year-old left back who was blooded. He, he's he's played a nineteen-year-old right back in in Ralston against PSG. 
So I don't really understand why it hasn't happened sooner. Maybe, I, I don't know. As you said, he went out to Kilmarnock. He, I think he was one of the best centre-halves in, in, Watch yourself. in, in, in the league. Oh, come on. He was one of the best centre halves in in the league. In oh, the, well, in the world. It, well, soon, soon enough. But <laughs> uh, over that period, in, in a position he hadn't played much, and so it's, it was kind of. And you know, you've had these injuries with Yoso being out, Eric being out, Boyata coming in after an injury, and and it hasn't been a steady run for anybody. Yeah, but I, I would have. Whenever Ayer's come in, he's been has been played with Beton, he's played with Tierney at centre half, and so on. What you wanted to do, especially in a game like this, why wouldn't you just give him 19 minutes beside um, Boyata. Boyata? Especially if the plan was to play also uh, on, on, on Wednesday. Why yeah. would you play Bitton? It just seems weird to play Bitton because Bitton's never going to be a centre-half. He's got really no future to the centre-half. He's, he's a stopgap at best. Yeah, at best. And yeah. I don't think he is experienced or not. He's not any better at centre-half than Christopher Ayer. So it's, I think it's an old one. I think it's an old one for B-Rod. And if B-Rod was here, I would have said, B-Rod, that's, that's an, an old, old one. one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, w- one question. Uh, when he was at start, he was a midfielder. Yes. Um, what's his distribution like from the back, do you think? I would, think he likes he to come he, out. Yeah, he, he, he likes to come out and, 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 t- and, and run with the ball. It's, he had a couple of times at Kilmarnock. We had a, a, some great runs. He's happy to to ping it. I mean, he's again. I think he's he said that central is always the position he wanted. He saw himself in the future, but he wanted to be a midfielder and he wanted to be uh, higher up the pitch because he he then he would dev- develop more with the ball because he'd see the more the yeah. ball more. He'd have the ball more at his feet. He's, he's actually that would improve. So that was always his his long term plan. And then having that. Fundamentals and then step back and actually be when, you, when you're playing in an absolute deadly league like the Norwegian <laughs> league, I mean, it's, it's pretty pathetic, it's not even as good as junior. Unless we got right? a team in the Europa League, but yeah. Yeah. Aye. do you have one in the Champions League? But that's so. all I ask. So, uh, but just in um, kind of finishing up on Dundee, um, job done. Um, it was a kind of small experiment in a way, um, putting in an entirely uh, new midfield that hadn't played together. Kwasi looks to me uh, like he's got a lot of potential. He looks r- like a really, really rough diamond. Um, and Cham needs to tighten up his passing, but that will come hopefully. Um, and make it. Oh, Gamboa. I haven't really spoke about. Yeah, Gamboa. I thought it was all right. I thought he was good. Yeah. Um, I thought I thought he played well. I thought that uh, he was very eager, which as much as you should always be eager as a professional footballer playing for the first time. Uh, in a long time, they all aren't always like that. But he looked professional. He looked eager. He looked good on the ball. He had a couple of really, really great crosses. Um, unfortunately, there was no one in the middle um, when he, when he put the ball in. But no, it's good. Um, does Gamble have a future for his uh, overall bowed? Um, you know that performance. Gamby. That performance ignited. Slipping on the know? ice because. Lustig, I mean, Lustig's got another 10 years in him, but <laughs> we need to think That's about the future. Um, Ralston looks great as well. That's the danger for Gamboa, I suppose, but Ralston I, still. I, I I would say Gamboa is a better right back than Ralston just now, as he should be. Yeah, I, I But I, I don't see... Uh, there's no reason for me to pick Ralston over Gamboa, especially in a game like uh, on, on, on tomorrow yeah. against Bayern. Yeah, I, I mean, Ralston um, looks, again, he looks a really, really good prospect. Um, but he's young, he's raw, and w- we all want a Celtic team full of young, hungry Celtic fans, but we're not going to do, do that at the expense of actual quality. And I'm not saying that Ralston isn't quality, I just think I would potentially put Ralston out on loan. 
um, just because he still looks that a little bit raw. So, gam chops over rail chops? Chops over chops, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh but, yeah, as you mentioned, I was good to see Hendo again. I still like Hendo. I, I like- still, I, you know, as we said this before, Armstrong was criticised, McGregor was criticised, Hendo's been criticised a lot. I, I think he, I, I think he's, he's a good player. I think he'd have a future just as those two have. I, d- I, d- I disagree, and the reason I disagree is I know you disagree. That's why I said it. Because you're wrong. I, listen, I'm, I'm, listen, I'm, I'm a Hendo fan. I'm pro Hendo. <laughs> I want the Hendofication of Celtic to continue. <laughs> no, I, I just think that I think if if he was if he was going to have the opportunity, I mean, his brother was on the bench the other week. And he played, the he played in the development team. I mean, yeah. well, that's, a, that's an odd one. His brother looks like I've seen his brother three times for the, the Champions League development squad, and the three times I've seen him, he's been really, really good. So maybe, and his brother's central midfield. He looks, a, he looks, awkward, a, lot, he looks a lot more dynamic. It's a bit awkward. Yeah. Um, but he's also got Scott Allen to get ahead of him, though. So <laughs> he's, um, he's got, what's it? He's a. It's diabetic. It's diabetic, so think about it. Um, none to think about. <laughs> no, uh, Hendo, I think, well, I think he's probably better, have, should move on for his own for his own sake. Because he's just not going to play as many games as he needs to. He's you, a talented I, I'm, I'm starting him tomorrow. Uh, yeah, well, so you, you've got Brown, Armstrong, McGregor, Rogic, and Cham, Kowasi, um, Ryan Christie, Beton, Ryan, Jesus. Ryan Christie's on loan. He's coming back. <laughs> He's going to make a splash. Scott Allen. <laughs> um, nah, the point is, great to see a wee cameo from Hendo, and I'd love him to push push forward because he looks he looks neat and tidy on the ball, taking out the trash. The trash man. The trash man. He's juked the Dunster Drossy. Etc. Anyway, any, any final points on on Dundee, or we're just happy that it's kind of we've came through it with no real problems. I'd, I'd be worried if I thought Celtic was going to play to that level uh, on Wednesday because they would have lost against a team that could finish uh, and a team with, let's face it, that goalkeeper isn't as overrated as, as Scott Bain, uh, even though he had a couple of good saves. Who do it is? No, Scott, Scott Scott Bain. I think he's he's not a very good goalkeeper, and he should have saved the chim's shot. So I think, you know, that's a shot. He's, you should never let in. Uh, Please don't know. talk about me like that. <laughs> <That's, laughs> so yeah. no, I mean from Batman. Both like that. So something would have been punished a lot harder if in that level uh, in the Champions League. But I don't think it will be. I think it's a completely different game. So I think it's it's just one of those. It's the long season, and you're going to get a few of those, and we got three points. So. Good to stick it up, Neil McCann. Oh, always. Um. <laughs> How just many penalties did you want? Seven or eight? He wanted a penalty for a head knock. Yeah, a head clash of heads. He wanted a penalty. What an utter ball bag. It's probably in this rule book. Yeah, get the rule book out, McCann.
Joining us now is uh, Bettina Vendel from the Bayern blog Mia San Rots. Um, Bettina, thanks for getting in contact with us. Hello, everyone. Nice to be here. Great stuff. Um, I, what we're really looking for is kind of uh, an in, a sort of look at what Bayern, um, how they are, what their kind of position they're at in terms of uh, going into this game with Celtic. Um, how, can you just give us a kind of overview of everything that's kind of happened within the last couple of weeks with the manager change and everything? Sure. Well, I have to say, from a Celtic perspective, I think you're probably coming up against Bayern at a really bad time um, because, like you said, we've just changed our manager. Um, there's a feeling of real enthusiasm in the team. Um, there's um, We had a game on Saturday against Freiburg in the Bundesliga that we won 5-0. Um, so there's quite a lot of um, force behind the team at the moment. They're feeling a lot more cohesive than they were in previous weeks. Um, I mean, it's obviously, there were a lot of issues with Carlo Ancelotti um, that came out after he was sacked. So players weren't happy with the way he ran training. Players weren't happy with the way um, tactics were planned out and, and practiced throughout the games. And it showed in the results as well. So if you look at the game against PSG, I think it's probably the one um, that stands out most where it was just tactically not enough um, to play against one of the top teams in Europe. And I think that was when the um, the board at Bayern decided that something had to be done. So I think a lot of people expected Ancelotti to leave at some point during or after this season. I don't think anyone expected him to last any longer than that. But I think it came a bit as a surprise that it happened this soon in the season. But at the same time, I think they made a great choice in the in the appointment of Jupankas as new manager. But you know, obviously, you said there's been discontent within the squad mm-hmm. with, with Ancelotti. But obviously, is it purely down to Ancelotti that the team haven't been playing well? Because obviously, while he's maybe not uh, you know the, the most tactically astute manager, Ancelotti is there's still a lot of good players there. So something in terms of the team tactics and it's the way the team has been playing might not be a hundred percent. What was the main issues on the field under Ancelotti? I think they weren't equipped with the right tactics as a team, I would say. So I think Bayern have a lot of great players. Um, They don't have good enough players that they can play fantastically against uh, teams like PSG without tactics that make sense to everyone and without everyone being behind it. I think a big part of the issue was... Um, And I know we're blaming a lot of it on Ancelotti, which I think is not fair because I think a lot of it is on the players. But I think the players weren't really buying into him and into his strategy anymore. So I think that kind of stopped everyone from performing as well as they could as well. And just losing a bit of concentration focus during the games. I guess that's where we come from a Celtic perspective because there has seen to be some weaknesses in, in terms of that. And as you said, maybe a couple of weeks ago, you know, Celtic looked poised to maybe exploit some of them. If mm. if you, like, with your knowledge of Bayern, and you might not want to tell us this, but in terms <laughs> of actually 
for a team of Celtic's strength, which is obviously not as good as Bayern, but probably better than Freiburg, you know, a, you know, a place known for their cake more than anything. Uh, <laughs> so, I mean, how would you how would you attack Bayern? How would you beat Bayern if you don't have as good as players as them? Where, where's their weaknesses? That's a good question. Um, I would say in the last game against Freiburg, I think Bayern looked a bit shaky defensively. Um, they were quite high up the field, um, especially in the first half. I think there were a couple of defensive errors um, on the wings. So um, David Alaba has been out of form for quite a long time now. He's getting back to where he used to be, but he's still not truly back to his old form. And um, Josh Kimmich obviously is a, is a great player going forward and he does... Um, lots of good stuff offensively, but he looked a bit shaky as well um, in a couple of situations on uh, over the weekend. Celtic fans would maybe have taken a little bit of heart when they heard that um, uh, that Neuer obviously is out at the moment. Um, Ulrich has replaced them. Can you tell us much about him? Is he is he a competent replacement, or is that again something that Celtic could look to exploit? Um, so I don't want to be too negative about my own players, but it's no secret that it's difficult to match Manuel Neuer's quality as a goalkeeper. Um, I think Ulrich is a decent goalkeeper. I wouldn't say he's great. Um, he's definitely had a couple of blunders over the last couple of games as well. So a couple of the goals that Bayern conceded over the last couple of games that ended up in, in draws um, were clear goalkeeping mistakes that I don't think would have happened to Manuel Neuer. So he's he's decent on the line. He's, um, his build-up play is not great. I think he's not as good as Neuer is in, in controlling the box in front of him as well. So yes, definitely that might be one area of weakness. Obviously, um, you've got um, Jutt Pinkus coming back in for the 40 billionth time um, <laughs> <laughs> um, to manage um, Bayern. What are you kind of expecting in terms of sort of differences in style from maybe what Ancelotti had? What do you think? How do you think he'll change the, the kind of style from, um, you know, the beginning of the season? Well, you could already feel it a little bit in the game against Freiburg, even though... He only had a couple of days in preparing the team or working with the team. But it did feel, it was a bit reminiscent of the 2013 season already, um, which was the best season any Bayern fan ever experienced obviously, with us winning the treble. Um, I think what they used to do when Juppeintus was uh, manager back in 2013 was they were quite strong in counter-pressing. Um, there was a strong focus on the wings um, obviously, four years ago, uh, Robin and Ribéry were much closer to their prime than they are now, or on the other side of their prime, maybe. Um, so that was quite strong, and you could feel that already. So I think that will be something that will be there will be more focus on that. But also, the other thing is, I think, is just you the stories that have come out from from the training ground have been that there's a real sense of the family, of enthusiasm of everyone being happy to be working together again. Um, also, things like the uh, the training pitch has now been split into zones again, so everyone can practice positional play a bit better. Apparently, that is something that Ancelotti didn't do uh, during his time at Bayern. So, yeah, I think we're, we're not expecting miracles, but there's definitely a sense of optimism amongst the fans. But, you know, in terms of how Celtic is, is viewed in, in Bayern and, and in Germany, obviously, I, mm -hmm. I presume when the draw came out, 
most people expect you know to be two different leagues in there one to see who finished top and one to see who finished for the Europa League places is Celtic seen as a challenger in any way or would anything other than a defeat be a, a catastrophe well for Bayern anything but defeat is usually a catastrophe. So um, that's one thing to keep in mind. But um, no, I do think I personally definitely, I think a lot of fans are looking forward to the game um, because Celtic is a big name. Um, and everybody's looking forward, I think, to having Celtic fans in the stadium and in the city as well. But also, I do think there's a there's a real sense of that Celtic is is a force to be reckoned with. And had you asked me two, three weeks ago, I wouldn't have been very confident about the game because I think people know that um, a Celtic are a good team and then, you know, you guys are not where you are um, for nothing. So there's definitely an awareness of um, of the possibilities um, within Celtic's play. But also at the same time, I think now um, with the man- manager change and everything, I think people are expecting a win from Bayern. There is actually one of our podcasts in Munich at the moment. So if anybody sees Chris Armani, please make sure he's, uh, <laughs> he's he, he gets on the <laughs> he gets on the plane home on, on first year as well. But you know, in terms <laughs> of how Celtic is, always we talked about you know Celtic as a team. How much knowledge is there about Celtic in terms of, especially after Brendan Rodgers came in, which is obviously uh, I would presume quite a, a big name still in, in terms of yeah. man- managerials, but also in terms of. What's the, um, do, you know, in, in Germany in general, do you know much about what Rodgers has done with Celtic? And is there any specific Celtic players that are known uh, more than others or even known at all in terms of, you know, especially for, for this game? Um, generally, I'd say the focus in, in the German media is more on the Premier League than um, on, on Scottish football per se. But obviously Which is a big Celtic- mistake. It, it's a <laughs> far superior league the, in, in Scotland, but I mean, everybody don't tell anybody. knows that, yeah. really. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, definitely, I think people have been looking into Celtic a bit more um, ahead of this game or after the draw as well. We did a preview on our blog as well to to look into Celtic a bit more to get an idea and understanding of what what the game looks like and how how you guys are playing, what we can expect. So. Um, it's always good to have a game like that um, to bring clubs a bit closer to, to one's radar and to just ha- have a closer look at what's happening. In terms of Brendan Rodgers, I think it is, um, I wouldn't say a household name, but definitely a manager that's well-known, um, even in Germany. I'm not sure there's been much of a focus in the media on, on the work that he's been doing, but um, it looks like it's going okay. Yeah, it's, it's going very well. Um, yeah. <laughs> Who is it that will be playing on the right-hand side for, for Bayern tomorrow, um, right back and, you know, sort of right wing or right mid? Well, I would expect um, Josh Kimmich to be playing um, as a right back and then probably Robin in front of him. Because they're in a lot of trouble because yeah. Kieran Tierney um, is pretty much the best left back in the world. So um, we're going to see some interesting stuff. Josh is going to have a long night, Bettina. We're just telling you now. Yeah, so, so watch out, Kate. Right. Ke- um, <laughs> good to know <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was going to ask I was just looking at the team thinking obviously Bayern um, in Scotland they're, um, they're all well known names all of the players um, but I was just thinking about who our listeners would probably know a little bit less about um, you've already talked about Kimmich and Ulrich 
Um, I would say Coleman. I don't know if the guys would disagree. As first team players, probably I know, know I, a little bit less. Yeah, I'd, I'd say they'd know less about him. But has he been purchased from Juventus, or is he still on loan? No, no, that's a that's a definite signing. He was on loan for the last season or two, I think, and then in the summer it was it was finalised. So he's now definitely a Bayern player. And how is he playing? Because as far as I'm aware, he is, he is getting quite a lot of game time just now. He's a regular starter. Yeah, Ribéry is out with injury at the moment for quite some time. So it's a big chance for Coman to really make an impression on the team. He scored his first goal in the league um, at the weekend, which was great. I was really happy for him because he's been trying and he's been really good when he's had a chance to play. So he's now finally given himself that goal and I think that should have boosted his confidence a bit more as well. And James Rodriguez, do you think there's a chance we would see him and from the kind of again I don't think he's playing a huge amount, but is when he does play, is he playing well or has it not really worked out at Bayern for him? Uh, there's been a bit of discussion about that with um Heinz taking over from Ancelotti because James was supposed to be or everybody says that he was an Ancelotti transfer who really wanted him on the team. Um, so there's been a bit of discussion about what will happen now that Ancelotti's gone. I think James definitely has a quality to have a spot in this team and to get his playing time as well. Um, Muller, obviously, is kind of the one he'd be fighting with um, over that position in the team. Um, Muller's captain at the moment, while Neuer's out, um, and he's also had... Um, a bit of a public spout with Ancelotti about not playing enough. So I think at the moment, Muller's the one who's ahead of James there, but he'll definitely get his chances. He had some really good appearances for Bayern, so um, I'm sure Ancelotti can recognise that quality. But Tina, in terms of, we're going to have discussion here on the pod as well in terms of Celtic's team tomorrow, but there's a big discussion around who should play on top for Celtic if it's Lee Griffiths who's been playing the last few games or is um, Moussa Dembele who's is coming back from injury who's obviously scored two goals against Manchester City in the Champions League last season in terms of Bayern Munich centre half and defence and I presume it's going to be Hummels and Martinez maybe as the centre halves um, tomorrow what kind of what I mean in terms of what kind of weaknesses do they rather have a big centre-forward who, who like to drop steep or do they, are they less comfortable with somebody who maybe tries to run behind them in terms of speed and uh, positioning? So Martinez is out um, for a couple of days. He picked up a shoulder injury um, on Saturday. So, yeah, yeah. But he, he was playing as a holding midfielder as well. So I think it will probably be Hummels and Boateng, um, which... I'm afraid to say it's probably um, the two best central defenders the Bayern can field. So um, Boateng was injured for quite a long time. So if there's a weakness, um, I would say it's more likely to be him. Um, they're both good and they've both got a good position to play. Boateng is really fast. Um, they've both got strength in, in build-up play as well. So what what would be the best way to attack them? Yeah, just try and catch them off guard, I suppose. Bayern will probably move quite high up the pitch um, to to just really press. Um, and if if there's a fast counter attack, that's something that Bayern have been struggling with occasionally. But, but, but you know, basically, what you're saying is that Bayern is are really good, and you're going to beat Celtic quite easily. It's, it's... 
I mean, I, I wouldn't mind that. Um. But you, you might be glad to hear that Celtic will probably have one centre-back and one not particularly good midfielder <laughs> partnering them. So. Yeah. Um, just kind of, we're kind of winding up. We don't want to keep you too much longer. Um, Lewandowski, what sort of form is, is he currently in? Because he's pure good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he is. Um, I mean, he's... Um, He's been doing all right. He's been doing all right ever since he came to Bayern, really. Um, he scored a lot of goals um, on international break for, for Poland as well. Um, he finished his bachelor's um, thesis as well like two days later, which is quite impressive. Um, he scored at the weekend. He's, he is on good form. Um, it's, I'm not sure if he's ever been on bad form, really. Um, but also, it, it obviously depends on um, how difficult Celtic can make it for him, how um, tight the spaces will be around him, how easily he will be able. So he likes to switch places and rotates a little bit with the um, offensive midfielders behind him as well. So obviously if that doesn't happen and if he doesn't get any good balls um, into the box to to then try and score from, that obviously will make it more difficult for him. Um, Bettina, thanks for your, your insight. It's been absolutely terrific. Um, we're just looking for your prediction for tomorrow. Um, I would say 3-1 for Bayern. I, I, I hate to be the one to tell you this, but that's not going to happen. Um, It'll be 5 or 6-1. It's going to... <laughs> shut up. <laughs> uh, no, th- thanks very much. So 3-1, um, goal scorers, have you got any any kind of hot tips? What do you um, I, Yeah, I mean, I'd go Lewandowski, Muller, Robin. Terrific. Seems like a safe bet. <laughs> it really does. <laughs> and who's scoring for Celtic, Bettina? Oh, um, I, I'm sure I'm pronouncing him wrong, but Kieran Tierney? That's right. That's, That's correct. Yeah. Yes. You, yeah. you are very good. Number six to three. Yep. Number, he's, he's the man. The man of the hour. The man with the power. It, yeah, definitely. So we'll we'll keep an eye on him, I'm sure. No, please, please don't. He's, actually, <laughs> yeah, no, he's, he's rubbish. <laughs> no. he's, not, he's not very good, actually. You don't even have to mark him. Um, All right. Bettina, okay. uh, um, it's been an absolute pleasure. for. Um, thanks for coming on. And uh, we could maybe get you on for for the home leg when, when Bayern travel to Glasgow and have a chat then as well. Yeah, lovely. Great stuff. That's great. Thanks very much. Thank you. All right, thanks for having me. Big thank you to Bettina Vendel um, from the Miasan Rots um, Bayern blog. Um, check them out on Twitter at Miasan Rots. Um, terrific uh, insight, and it was good to hear. Bootstrap Betty as well on her own Twitter. Twitter. Yeah, absolutely. I can't um, believe you didn't get my uh, Freiburg cake joke. I can't believe you made an absolute ass of it by. Uh, I, I, I would play, <laughs> and also embarrassed. Ninety I would, minutes in it. I would play Martinez at centre half, and I, I'm going to tell you that. Well, so. uh, as you know, Bettina. <laughs> uh, Javi Martinez is is going to play tomorrow. I don't know. What he is. <laughs> this yeah. is why we get why experts in. Yeah, this why is. Am I, Spanish? I don't know. He are though. Yeah. Um, he's going to play at centre half. Um, well, mate, he's injured and he's not. Why am I working half. at Fulton Towers? You know, I don't know. You made that. <laughs> um, anyway, so Bayern, Munich, uh, Celtic. It's a massively 
scary prospect at any time. But when a Bayern team have been kind of rejuvenated by bringing in uh, Hinkis, who, as uh, kind of Bettina alluded to, the last time he was there, it was just before Pep Guardiola was a manager, and he won the treble, including the European Cup. Uh, he's a terrific manager with uh, a, a vast knowledge of experience. He's had an instant sort of turnaround. Um, with he knows the, the club. Carry on. <laughs> Jesus. Um, he knows, uh, he certainly knows Black Forest Gatto. He knows he where Javi Martinez can play and does play. Well, hopefully he fit. plays in my centre half where he should be playing, <laughs> like, even though he's injured. Christian, just so everyone can, at home <laughs> who's listening can Christian genuinely looks quite angry. Like, he's looking <laughs> like. Chris, he, it's the same as Celtic. <laughs> if we had centre back issues, he would bring a kind of holding midfielder <laughs> back into centre. Christopher <laughs> Ayer. Yeah. Aye. Near Bitton. Oh, yeah. I uh, see you fucked up there, pal. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, w- with Bayern, um, we are looking at. Uh, it's, it's destruction. A Utter destruction. It's a challenge. Um, Boud, uh, I'm going to get the team line up and how we should play, but what's your expectation level going into this game considering this weird sort of uh, Champions League group we've been in? That's hard. Obviously, going to Germany was always going to be an ask. Um, things have changed quite a lot in a few weeks, as uh, Bettina was saying. If if the Ancelotti change hadn't been made, we'd be a lot more confident. If we had um, a, f- a fit centre-back pairing, because Yozo's now uh, been declared as unfit, um, and also with Brown just coming back, you've got to hope that he is fit, but is he going to be 100%? Um, do you I'm pl- worried. Do, do you play a potentially unfit Scott Brown? Oh, yeah. Over a you don't need to finish that question. Yeah, that's a good point. I, don't know, I forgot who I was um, you know, speaking to. Um, Joe's all missing out. It's a massive, um, massive blow for us. Uh, you're going to say Christopher Iyer, but <laughs> who would? Uh, would you would you, you mentioned when we were talking about the Dundee game that that would probably be the mid the defence well, that you would move yeah, forward I, with? No, I, I wouldn't throw in Iyer now. I think the time to do that is if you had more game time over the last few weeks. I'm. I, <laughs> I wouldn't play Bitton. I don't think Bitton is very comfortable there, especially when he's in a little bit of pressure. Um, he he was not great on Saturday, so it's it's Biota, and I think it's I think it's going to end up being Lustig and, and then Gomboa on the right back. I think that's as as things stands the, the most logical choice. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, we know that Kieran Tierney is going to absolutely batter everybody in his uh, his way because he's a monster and uh, he dominates life. Um, you, you would you would probably go with Gambi as well, Gamboa, Gamboa, Tierney, uh, childish CG, yeah, childish Gambino, of course. C-Gan. No, I would uh, Gamboa. I think absolutely, um, and I I can't. I, I expect that to be the the back four. Uh, there's not many other choices to be honest, unless he decides to go with a three in the back and maybe push Tino and go ball up and and have yeah three central halves, um, with Beton and Lustig and, and Bayata. But yeah, I, I'd be surprised if that is in the back four. Uh, I most certainly would not start Beton there. Uh, so the, our previous meetings against Bayern Munich um, came in the 2003-2004 group stage when Bayern picked up four points. Um, from their two games against us, one was uh, a victory in Bayern and a draw in Glasgow. I mean, I was at the game in Glasgow. Um, talk about physical specimens, um, Michael Balak. I remember seeing him coming up against Bobo Baldy at a corner, and he dwarfed 
Bobo Baldy, which, considering how big Bobo was, was very, very impressive. Um, Bayern, they do have fantastic players, but this is going to sound maybe a little bit, I don't know. I'm not as fearful of Bayern as I am of PSG, um, and, and that's due to the fact that... Um, I think PSG have A, better players, and two, they're much better. They looked a lot better drilled team. I yeah. know Bettina was saying there that it's obviously the atmosphere seems to have shifted um, 180 degrees completely. I hope there's uh, a sense there that you know one guy coming in and that he was Ancelotti was supposedly you know the reason for all, everything bad ever happened now. You, good old Yop is back in and you know everything's going to be fine again. And there's maybe a slight foot off the pedal in terms of thinking that's supposed to solve everything because obviously if, if the team hasn't been playing well. Not just down to the manager. It's not fixed just like that. Yeah, um, except when it's Ronnie Dial, and then you of can course. just fix it by getting rid of him. He, um, he just—I was actually know. slagging him off there, but you didn't. Well, I was going to make a naked joke, but we can come back to it. Um, Bayern have won all ten group home games since their three-two reverse at the hands of Man City um, in 2013-2014. Bow, do you think there's a chance that they might underestimate us, and then we can be all sneaky and ratty and score a couple of sneaky, sneaky and ratty goals? <laughs> <laughs> I absolutely believe that's true. Also, we get a draw against Man City last season, so and they're the last team to beat them at home. Technically, stages. we've already beaten them. Three points in the bag. <laughs> Is this maybe four points? If you think the fact that we drew with Man City, and you take that into consideration, yeah, that one. Yeah, and in essence, you usually get an extra point anyway. So you're talking seven points here. We've qualified for the last well. sixteen. It's pretty good. No, what what are you thinking? Like how how? Well, actually, let's let's focus on the midfield. So we know the back four. Um, we're probably going to go four two three one. Why would you not kind of change? Go from your tried and tested. Um, who would be your two setters? It's a good question. Um, that is, isn't it? Take your time, Bald. Listeners so at home. I I I and you. Oh, we almost kind of touched on it. You guys were talking about it earlier. Um, just ignoring me. Didn't ask my <laughs> point of view on it. Um, <laughs> but uh, Calmac coming back. It's quite good. So Brown and Calmac, Ener- two setters. Certainly good. Um, you've got an energy there. You've got a tactical awareness. Um, both could cover each other. That would ma- lead me to believe that you would play Armstrong in the 10. No. <laughs> I'm recalling Ryan Christie. <laughs> <laughs> Bring in uh, Barry Bangura. Get him up front. No problem. I know. Probably Armstrong. It's... That's a little bit dependent on, obviously, fitness. So you're dropping Tom. <clears throat> I think I think this is well, a really tough one. It is tough. Well, you know what? Actually, you, see if we're just doing a hit, my my lineup. Tam's in there. It's Brown. It's Calmac, and it's Tam. I'm going nuts. That's crazy, but that's interesting. Um, this it's, 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 no, it's not in mine. Um, for me, it's He's still raging about having Martinez. <laughs> I'd play having Martinez besides Scott Brown. <laughs> <laughs> and no, I I would play um, Armstrong, McGregor, and Brown, and I would play them. I wouldn't have a number ten uh, as as just a flat up. three. Um, yeah, I mean McGregor and Armstrong can get up and down. So if you want to go back to, I think you can have Brown is slightly deeper, but McGregor can fall back um, level with him and help him out. Armstrong can give him opportunities. As I said, McGregor and Armstrong, are, I think, are 
two players that are good at arriving into attacking spaces rather than maybe occupy them. And I, I that's what I would do. I think you then have a, a very solid midfield. Um, if Armstrong needs a big game for Armstrong as well, if he does come back in terms of you know really turning up against one of the the really good teams. But yeah, that that would be my midfield three: Brown, Armstrong, and McGregor. Um, one do number six and two number eights. Do we think that's what <coughs> Birod will do? Do you think Encham will be there? I don't think Encham's starting. If it, it depends who's available as well. I would have if either Armstrong or Brown is not available, I, I'd be tempted to put no charm in. Uh, absolutely. And no, I would have, I would go with those three. I think you kinda have to see it into in relation to who you start up front as well. Because I think while Lee Griffith's hold up play and, and link play is it's definitely improved and you know is is really developed in that sense. Dembele is just much, I think, still much more clever at when he drops, where he drops. I think he's a lot better. Uh, you you can play the ball up to him and it sticks a lot better. He's he, he, he drops he, between the lines, and I think with Dembele, you can kind of not number ten, but he can fall down to that number ten space where maybe you usually have Rodrigo, and he can he can spin, and he can bring in Sinclair, and he can bring in. Robertson on the other side. Um, he, looks so, a, so, he looks about five yards off the pace though now, though. Even when he came on against Dundee, yeah. his, touch I, is, his touch isn't great. I, now, I, and I, that, that's just I because it's getting there. It's getting there, but... I, I, I would play him tomorrow. I think that's ridiculous, Christian. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I, I love Dembele. He's I, raging about his raging. He's about to punch him. Martinez level. Yeah, he's... Well, I'm not that angry. Yeah, he's also not made an arse of it. So. Um, <laughs> you know, Dembele's fantastic, obviously, but... He's not played a huge amount when he has played, as uh, Gal just said. He's he's off the pace at the he's moment. Just, he's struggling to get his fitness back. Um, like you know, he played <coughs> against. He, he started against. Uh, Hib, was it not Hibs? The game before Hibs. He started that game when it was him and Griffiths up front. He scored a goal. Looked off the pace. Um, he went away. He came on again. Did he come on against Hibs? No, I don't think he did. He looks off the pace. He looks like he's not. And again, this isn't. I'm not. I'm not criticising him for, for, for maybe it's the, the injury is worse than they, they kind of first thought because he came back too early, got injured again, and it, it, he's struggling. He brings, he probably you know there's a reason that he's worth you know 25 million in league Griffiths isn't. He's got a different dimension. He's got a different. He's a big game player, and I, I don't think. And I'm not last, saying, I don't think he would last a full ninety, but I would start him. I would play him at least the first sixty, and I, I think he's got that in his legs if, now. If, and if, if you can get him to batter. Botang and Hummels and Martinez, sorry, yes, and um, then and then bring Griffiths on the bench, uh, off the bench for maybe sixtieth minute to run at them when maybe they're they've had a bit of a torrid game. It might work potentially. It will you work. Can, you could play both of them. No, no, no. no. Fuck um, up. But you <laughs> could though. You're allowed you know, to. You could. Would you not be safer playing Griffiths, and then depending on how it's going, think about Dembele as somebody to bring on, or just play Edward. If you swing on that chair, you're going to break it. By the way, don't don't worry. All right. I'll be fine. Are you worried about the chair? No, me? I don't care about the chair. I, okay. I care about um, insurance liability. <laughs> Sorry. I was, yeah, I was just saying play Edward. That's the solution. Fuck are you talking about? No, so Griffiths and then Dembele's your sub to bring on. Um, the way that um, Bayern have been lining up, uh, well, certainly in the game against uh, Freiburg, they lined up very similar. Folks. Lovely cake. Black Forest, ghetto. Cake is a made-up joke. Um <laughs> 
<laughs> um, against Freiburg, they played pretty much the same system. 4-2-3-1. And obviously they had um, Thiago... <laughs> They obviously Tiago and Martinez in midfield. <laughs> that, that's your whole actually. Why? I don't know. I don't but know. Um, but Tiago. See, when I, I mentioned the players that are maybe a little bit less commonly known, you know who I didn't mention? <laughs> Midfielder Javi Martinez. <laughs> Spanish Center international Javi <laughs> Martinez. But um, so obviously, if Martinez is not going to play, you, you could maybe see Vidal kind of coming in um, and sitting with with Tiago. Muller's going to float around the way he does. Um, and it's great. And it's probably going to be Coman and uh, Robin out wide with. Lewandowski up front. It is a, a scary, uh, it's a scary team to actually kind of look at if we match up against them. Um, as we mentioned, it's probably going to be um, Kimmich and Robin uh, against Tierney I mean, and Sinclair. Robin was crying at the Netherlands. So he's going to be crying after this game after he comes up against. Kim I'm back Kimmich. on board with him, even but after his um, his fuck up, yeah. his absolute. <laughs> Ha- ha- horrendous. Um, I'm, I'm upset thinking about it. He's raging, <laughs> folks. He's raging. Um, with this match, how do you how do you approach it? Just kind of from. Uh, do you just go? Do you go on the front foot with Bayern, or is that a, is it, are you simply <laughs> going to get picked off, or do you kind of sit in and hit them in the counter attack? It's a good question, Christopher. Oh, because Celtic has been pretty. Buried, uh, I guess, against you know really good opponents in in the Champions League. You know, if we're going back to the Barcelona away game, PSG home game, it's probably two games where, if it was conscious or not, they were the deepest they've ever been. And it's always that discussion we've had before whether Celtic just play through their strengths and actually try and attack and and try and keep the ball and try and, and commit a few more players forward, or if the you know, are a lot more careful and sit deeper and maybe don't take those chances. But I think in those games where they may be seen like being too reserved, which I think was Barcelona away and, and PSG at home, they've, they've been they've been hammered anyway. So I don't think you can give the initiative to those um, kind of teams. I don't know if Celtic is not good enough, but at least not they're not trained in a way of sitting deep and compact, like, like a Dundee performance at the weekend i don't know if the celtic team has that in them because yeah. they'd hardly ever do that so when they try and do that it often maybe doesn't work so i think the key is for celtic to be brave in terms of just keeping the ball in the team because when they've been really poor in europe that's always been the team that they just they can't string two three passes together and i think that's absolute the key because that Bayern team is going to come at you going to pull you out everywhere you're going to tire you out Robin especially Robin's if, you, if, if Celtic doesn't have their fair amount of the ball they're going to tire and they're going to give Bayern spaces and they, they're going to get killed on, they're going to get killed because they've got so many good attackers and finishers where's your biggest fear coming from Boud from our team is it just central midfield are you, are you kind of happy with everyone else you think everyone else uh, working at their best will give anyone a game central defence right now yeah yeah, you said central midfield. Oh, sorry, sorry, central defence. Um, yeah. Um, that and, as I say, just the fact that Armstrong and Brown, if fit, have a good chance of playing, definitely. Brown, how fit are they? Um, and the other thing is, we've seen against PSG, when we have a team um, who have a very good quality that presses, we sometimes struggle and people make silly little mistakes. And um, we get away with silly little mistakes domestically. We don't in Europe. Yeah, so. I cut cut out the, the 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 kind of you can't cut out individual errors because no one goes out to make an individual error. But concentration levels essentially yeah. need to be at maximum. 
Um, and and obviously they're a completely different quality, but at least against Anderlecht, Celtic controlled the ball for a long, long parts of the game, and, and that's a way in Europe, which is which is really encouraging. Um, there was individual mistakes in that game as well, and it probably didn't deserve a three 0 win, but it was a lot more controlled performance. You're right; it should have been twelve now. Zero twelve. He's having a nightmare. <laughs> Absolute mare. Again, I think that's the key. They need to be brave. They need to actually keep the ball and actually have, you know, to put some of their own play into this game as well. A um, couple of facts: the Anderlecht win was the hoops first for seventeen European group stage fixtures in the UEFA Champions League. Um, their biggest. Uh, no, sorry. Away. Yeah. yeah. No, just yeah. I sorry. Away. Um, the Munchen Gladbach draw from uh, last season, which Christian mentioned. Um, was their second in succession in Germany since the last time they were there. Um, it's left Celtic with a record of against German opposition. Uh, 1-0, drawn 3 and lost 7. The Scottish champions are on a 7-game winless run, home and away against German clubs. Drawn 3, lost 4. So, I mean, all the signs are there for us to break this hoodoo. Um, <laughs> all the signs are there for us to have a phenomenal night. Um, we know how we're going to line up. We know how we're kind of going to set out um, we just kind of have to go for it um, in terms of concentration levels, in terms of taking any clear-cut chances, at least hit the fucking target. I, I, I'm not necessarily even saying you have to score, just hit the target. Um, predictions, Christian Wolf. Wolf Alice is a band. I'm going to go with 2-1 uh, Bayern Munich. 2-1 Bayern Munich. Who's mm. the goal scorer for Celtic? Can you Um Martinez double, yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, Chris, Chris Bowd. Um, I'm norm- normally overly optimistic with these scores, but no, I. Uh, the defence scares me, so I, I just, I could see a, a, a four. I'll be optimistic four two by him. That's me. Who's going for us? Um, Kieran Tierney, of course. Tierney, well, he's getting one, and then he's assisting um, Scott Brown. <laughs> for fuck's sake um, I'm actually going to be a little bit more positive I think it's actually going to be a one each draw um, I think Celtic will get a breakaway ratty wee mee, 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 ratty wee goal um, couple of one each draws tonight um, Celtic will get a one each draw I believe that Celtic will score first um, will be under immense pressure but will hold out but Bayern will eventually score one each and I think it will be a tremendous uh, setup for the game against uh, Bayern at home, which could we'll win be seven now. forty-five million now actually. So, <laughs> a lot my, of stuff. Uh, my cousin and his wife is actually coming over for that game. That's they're, really they're both excited by seeing Javi Martinez. Shall uh, we get them on the podcast? Playing at the centre half. Hey, not enough about your family.
So this is a massive week for Celtic. Um, obviously, we've got the Bayern Munich game on Wednesday. Um, we've got the League Cup semi-final match against, um, I would say, in-form Hibs, even though they get beat at the weekend by Aberdeen. But they are, in a, you know, with the, ex- with the expectation levels to for them to beat Aberdeen, probably not. Um but then again, if Gary McKay Stevens goes against you, that's a fucking ready. Um, but <laughs> I'm joking. I like Gary McKay Stevens. Um, so League Cup final, uh, League Cup semi final. Sorry, with the opportunity to go to Hamden yet again um, in a short period of time by Brendan Rodgers. Um, what are your kind of thoughts on it, Christian? We're going to be coming off uh, a tough Champions League game. We'll maybe look at what the kind of lineup should be for that in a, in a couple of moments. But what would your kind of initial an initial sort of thoughts on it be? Yeah, it's probably not the opponent. Well, the Celtic would want in terms of coming on the back of that 2-2 because I think Hibernian and Neil Lennon especially is it's a team and a manager who's really up for the big occasions and gets his team up for the big occasions. And I think they would have been obviously justifiable, quite encouraged in terms of um, the performance uh, in the league. It is a point in time where Celtic... You know, last season as well, they had a run of games where they were winning 1-0 uh, and eking out wins in, in terms of uh, where the performances were okay but not great. So I'm, I'm a little bit worried again. Then again, whenever you start getting a little bit worried about the Celtic team, they just go in and smash the team uh, as easily as that. Um, then you have, again, Aberdeen coming on, on the back of that. So you can need to keep half an eye on this as well. So it's it's, but the funny thing is when you get so many games in succession, in quick succession, and momentum is a big thing, and I think they kept the momentum going by beating Dundee, uh, maybe a bit fortunately. If they didn't go to Bayern and get a good result, you there's a little bit of springer step again, and it'll be interesting. I, I think uh, I think tomorrow might have you know a big impact on, on the next few games as well. Because um, we do have Aberdeen yeah, uh, after I, that next week, which again is another... It's all the tough games in a row, basically. I, and yeah, no, it, it's, That's what you want, though, right? Yeah, exactly. No, no you want... So, but I'm, I'm, it, it's a hard choice in trying to predict a, a team for Saturday as well. I think that will have a lot to do with tomorrow and how that goes and what kind of state the players are in. But yeah, how, how do you keep half an eye on Aberdeen? Do you where if you do rest? Where do you rest people? Um, where do you play Christopher Ayer? Do you play him central half? Do you play him right? Do back? you know you play him wherever the fuck he wants to play? <laughs> uh, Chris Boud, it's a semi final at Hamden. It's you know even though last season we we did the clean sweep, um, still there's that wee nagging bit in your sort of head, a little bit fear just because of who it is because of coming off the Bayern game. How confident are you? Well, Bruni's back, so it's fine. Jesus Christ. But, no, it's a, <clears throat> it's a, it's a tough game. Um, and I said it last season, I'll say, said it seasons before as well. There's a lot of Celtic fans who maybe just see a treble as a given. Um, even with Brendan's incredible domestic form, a treble's never a given. No. And if there's going to be a team that can beat us, Hibs are one of those in a one-off game. Um Obviously, you've got the likes of Aberdeen, but uh, Hibs are right up there. And we've seen the other week that um, 
they're capable of performing really well. Uh, you'd still expect Celtic to win. Um, and I know you said it's great having a run of challenging games, but the fact that we've lost... Um, Jozo. We've lost Jozo. Um, it's a really bad time to have a lot of tough games. Um, so it wouldn't be surprising if we lost... Well, obviously, Bayern's going to be a challenge, but even between the Hibs and the Aberdeen game, it's it's not not um, unlikely that we would we would lose a game. Yeah, um, I mean, we've got you know Hibs the way they've been playing um, recently. Obviously, the last two games were against first and second, and they picked up a point. Um, you know, I, what did you think? Did you see them at the weekend, Christian, against Aberdeen? No, um, <laughs> I don't see the highlight of that game. But yeah, no, I think Aberdeen, another team who's you know, he's eking out the wins as well. Uh, Hibernian is, is is a game they will be up for. I think. Um, I think they will try and recreate what they did against Celtic uh, at home. I think they'll. I, I think, you know, in a way, if, if you look at these this week from from tomorrow and then and the week coming there, it's sometimes it's not easy to spot these kind of defining weeks of games in the season. I think Celtic's three next games will tell you a lot about their season. Um, I think tomorrow will determine. I think if there's any chance of going through to the group stages of the Champions League, I think if with a heavy defeat tomorrow, there isn't any. Uh, but I think if, with a draw, it's 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 definitely up for grabs. Then again, I think Hibernian semi-final uh, of the League Cup just kind of feels like one of those games which is a big banana skin, and if the record, a uh, domestic record, is going to be broken, it's kind of there. So if that doesn't happen, they have to go through yet through another final. And then suddenly you then have Aberdeen away, and Aberdeen who's topping the league, yeah, uh, as well. So if you can, if you even if those three games, if you then go and win there as well, I mean you'd have had, you know, there's it's, it's a big, big week for Celtic. And if a couple of those games, maybe especially the last two, doesn't go as you want to want them to go, then suddenly you're in <laughs> not a slump, but suddenly you will be having question post against you. Yeah, um, if, if one of those two games is, is lost, yeah. but that's, that's it, as unrealistic we, and unreasonable as that is. As soon as this Brendan Rodgers sign loses a game, the press will be all over it, and it's nonsense. Yeah, the team are going to lose a game. It's just yeah. that's what's going to happen. Um, but you don't want to lose it in a semi final. No, I don't. You know, oh, you'd rather have it at home to Dundee, you know? Yeah, if we get into uh, Europe um, past Christmas, which at this point is looking. You know, there's a decent chance, mm-hmm. obviously, after the Anderlecht result. Um, we win the league. That's a successful season. You would like a double, but frankly... We don't have a God-given right to. No. And, and that's the thing, though. Um, you know, the, the fact is, our, our squad are head and shoulders above, above everyone else in Scottish football. But it is a one-off game at Hamden. Um, it's against a side that, um, oh, well, well, f- funny enough, I'll get to a point in a minute, but it's against a side who probably now have a little bit more confidence taking us on, which I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing for them. Um, but it's against a Neil Lennon. It'll be a Neil Lennon side that will be absolutely ready to go. They'll be absolutely up for it. Um, against a side, a Celtic side that will be coming back from Germany after who knows what sort of performance, who, who knows we could be coming back on a massive high, we could be coming back on a a really disappointing low. So if you look at it from a, a morale point of view, um, they could be they, we could be looking at something very you know variations of, of for, for both of us. My point to you, Christopher Bowd, Do you think 
that the game we played against Hibs when they took a point off us, do you think that might actually go against them in some ways because Neil Lennon's almost played his hand and we now know exactly how they're going to line up? Yeah, to a degree. And as you see, I think they actually might gain confidence from that, which in some ways, obviously, you you want a level of confidence, but they, they then... May have overconfidence. Yeah, feel like, oh, actually, we can play at Celtic's level and then smash, we we battle them. Yeah, because um, Bruni wasn't he playing in that game. Exactly, Bruni Look at the wee smile, look at his wee ratty <laughs> smile. And, um, and I think the question is, do, do Hibs have a, a second gear, a second plan? I think they have a very good, you know... Uh, Planning. As you said, they play their hand in terms of the first game. Are they able to do any much changes and beat Celtic another way or, or come close to Celtic another way? Probably not. Yeah. No. The other issue, and I suppose it happens any time we play anyone, but for Hibs, the, se- the semi-final um, in Hamden against Celtic is massive. It's like a final for them. So You did air quotes. I did do <laughs> the air quotes. Um, so I suppose you could probably expect their players to be a bit more G'd up for this game, whereas our, our players should be looking at it as a this is a team we should be able to beat. Semi-final is obviously important, but we've just played Bayern Munich and we've got Aberdeen coming up. Yeah. Um, whereas for them, Hibs aren't going to win the league. They're, this is the trophy that they're close to getting. They're going all out. They've got the confidence from the last game. So. Yeah, I mean, uh, people were, were raving, and rightly so, about John McGinn's performance against us. Um, I didn't do the podcast the week after. Um, a couple, couple of points. You're just, you're done, you're spent. <laughs> I, a couple of points of McGinn. Um, People were making comments like, uh, just because you've like won half against Celtic doesn't mean you're a good player. And, you know, Brown wasn't there, etc. But John McGinn's been putting in a, a very high standard of level um, of performance week on week. Um, is John McGinn good enough for Celtic? I don't, you can't see whether any club player is good enough for Celtic until they start playing for Celtic. Do you know what I mean? It's no point saying this guy's potentially good or this guy's definitely going to be good because we don't know. It's If you look at Gary McKay-Steven and Stuart Armstrong... I remember when we signed Stuart Armstrong and most people thought, eh, he'll make a decent squad player. Gary McKay-Steven, oh, he's got tricks and he's, he's got a bit of trickery and he's, he's a face, um, fast pacey winger. And they both, um, obviously McKay-Steven hit the ground running um, the way that Armstrong didn't. But people were raving about, uh, people rave about Armstrong now, whereas they completely dismissed him. When we signed Griffiths, people used the word downsizing. Well, they were so dismissive. Uh, listen, I'm not saying we should buy John McGinn. What I'm saying is we need to watch John McGinn in this game because he's a talented young man with a lot going for him. He's got energy. He's got a, he's got a better touch than people give him credit for. His passing isn't always the best, but he can be that box to box. He he can break the lines again. I'm using that terrific phrase. Um, he can break that. He, he, he he's break, a line breaker. He's a line breaker. <laughs> he sees a line. He breaks a line. He eats a line. That's quite the icebreaker there, man. Um, and and the point is, um, uh, his energy kind of frightens me. I, um, I'd play him a centre-half to get a bit of time Jesus so. Christ. Um, so, uh, another couple, I mean, as you said, we don't really know how, we can't make too many team predictions from a Celtic point of view because we don't know how what's going to happen on when, happen tomorrow. But um, out of that Hibs team, uh, Boyle, uh, I think, is a terrific player. Um, Boyle's a one of the, the top players in the SPL for me, or the S, sorry, sorry, Scottish Premiership. That one. Um, Stokes will be determined. You know he will. Um, Slivka, I think, is quite good. I've seen him a few times. Um, he's got, he scored against Rangers at Ibrox with an absolute uh, thunder bastard. 
So, uh, and then you get McGinn and Bartley kind of doing all the kind of the, the dirty work in midfield. Um, but I personally think that um, Brendan Rodgers knows how they're going to play. He has um, Lennon, in a, and it's not necessarily his fault, but just by how the fixtures fell, he's played his hand maybe a little bit too soon. And I think Scott Scott Brown is going to crush some skulls. Um, and I can see that I can see Celtic going through. I think it's going to be tight. I think it's going to be a hard game. I can see Hibs scoring, but I think it will be three one to Celtic against Hibs in the semi final. And then we will play Motherwell in the final of the League Cup. Thoughts, predictions. I, I, well, I'm going to go with one uh, nil Celtic. Okay, goal scorer Keon Tierney, of course. Um, Liam Henderson. <laughs> Coming up. Direct from corner. Uh, uh, yourself, mate? 3-1. Easy. Who's scoring? Keon Tierney, Hattrick? Aye. Yeah. And unknown goal. Four goals for Keon Tierney. Oh, Jesus. Um, have we got any other kind of questions as we're kind of ramping up? Mostly uh, about naked Norwegians. Um, well, so how did that go down in Norway? Ro- Ronnie doing a bit... Down the to be fair, it's not the first time. So... He got, yeah, his, no, it's, it's he got his dick out in the dressing room. I, I don't know the details. I mean, when I people think, when people say when do. people say naked, sometimes they mean, you know, in their underwear. But it wouldn't surprise me if you went in buck naked. Why wouldn't you? If you're running Dyla, terrific pod star, and, and, naked, and, and and they won the game as well. So hey, yeah, good. Yeah. Um, how's he doing? How's the wee guy doing? Better, better. <laughs> it's uh, one three of the last four. I think in their ninth place now. Only seven points away from Europe. Five games to go. So. Uh, New stadium, yeah. God love him. Did he, uh, was he in there building it? Getting the bricks and the mortar up? N- naked, yeah. yeah. Um, but it, looks, your, it looks a pretty cool stadium. Who's your favourite Norwegian? Hmm. Who's your favourite favorite centre-half? <laughs> Norwegian centre-half? <laughs> well, <laughs> definitely you, I definitely know a lot of them. Yeah. Uh, I know who my favourite Norwegian keeper is. Hey. And is that Christian Wolf? Yeah, I would have said another Norwegian keeper, but I don't know any. <laughs> Norwegian so. Youth Cup winner, 1998. Um, yeah. Good. <laughs> um, so we are the 90 Minute You can check us out on, um, on our website, 90minutesynic.com, where you can download... Uh, www. Don't forget that. Very important. <laughs> World Wide Web. It's the World Wide Web. Dot um, 90minutesynic.com. Uh, HTTP HTTP dot slash um, 90minutesinic.com you can check out there's lots of lots of articles in the the kind of the archives but it's also where we publish the supplement it is it's coming out uh, a week on Saturday 5th edition a year old no not even a year old 10 months 5 editions Um, hopefully if Keith steps up Keith you know Keith if he steps up, the PDF version will be ready at the same time. So on Saturday, you can you can download the free premium content uh, magazine about Celtic, about international football. Terrific, and we we appreciate appreciate everyone putting in the the, the hard work yourself, Christian, all the writers, um, Keith. Even though you you've skipped the WhatsApp group, I think. I yeah, just it was a terrible part. Oh, yeah. Um, you can check us out. So that's uh, with the website, obviously, 90minutesynic.com. You can check us out on iTunes if you search for 90 Minute Cynic. Um, you can subscribe if you'd like to, and also, you know, if you want to leave us a positive message, that's terrific. But um, if you leave us a ne- if, we, if you leave us a negative message, I will find out where you are. Yeah. Welcome. Even if to your if house. you don't like, you know, Chris Gallagher, just leave it a review for me. There's so many. Just other think Chris's. about me. Think just, about Bowd. But yeah. why would you not like me? Well, actually, to be fair. Yeah. 
to be yeah. fair, yeah. I, I can understand that. Yeah, I can understand that. I mean, I, I leave a lot of... Bad and you're his pal. I mean, so... Absolutely <laughs> terrible. Yep. <laughs> Whoa, last, he's looking at my Did we have a last eyes. question from uh, hipster, hipster Celtic? Oh, okay, yeah. What was the question again? From Marek? I mean, sorry, sorry hipster, hipster Celtic. Celtic. Yep. It was... Slight interlude, but I'll say something funny when I find this question, will you? Uh, no, I've, no, I've not got anything You're making funny. it awkward. I'm just you can check us out on speaker, speaker.com slash the 90 minute cynic. Um, you can get all the links and points on Twitter at 90 minute cynic. That's where you'll get all of our links to the supplement, to the podcast, to iTunes. It's everything that you can. So follow us on Twitter. We're also on Facebook, facebook.com slash 90 minute cynic too. Um, you got the question? I got a question from uh, at tips to Celtic. Which song by the national? best represents the current Celtic side and why well I like the national when they first came out yes um, so I th- you know I liked them before they kind of became really famous um, which you know I'm sure a lot of these people like them now based on the fact that they're popular um, that but- Celtic podcasts oh! oh! fire um, but what I, I so to this rep, to represent the Celtic team, um, I would go with "Bitters and Absolute," which is one of my favourite songs, um, because at times watching Celtic um, is is absolutely brilliant, but other times, like the Dundee game, it's a little bit bitter. It's a good song, to be honest. It's just it's, there's no it's "Bitters and Absolute." It's cool, and there's a lassie singing as well. She sings, so that's good. Yeah. And on that bombshell, <laughs> um, Christian Wolf. Wow. About it. Oh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Christian Wolf, it's been an absolute honour, a pleasure, a pleasure, and a privilege. I can't wait to see Harry Martinez tomorrow. Yeah, it's going to he, be great. He's the best. Um, see him at the back, um, back of the queue. <laughs> Struggling to contain <laughs> Eduard. Yes. Um, Bowed, Beardo, Beardy Baldy Prickface. Uh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> But, um, I, just, I, know, I know it comes from a jealous place. It, it does. Well, you just said that I'm a horrible person, basically. Yeah, and that's true. Nah, to be fair, Baldo, it's been terrific. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, Chris. Bowe. I thought you were a friend of the Baldos. I'm, I'm pro Baldo. You're sitting behind a Larry David picture, <clears throat> so you know. Bowdy, pretty, pleasure. pretty, pretty good podcast. Pretty good podcast. Enjoying the new season. It's excellent. Uh, me too. It's awesome. Um, Chris Bowd, Christian Fuck. Wolf. Sorry. Chris Gallagher, we are the 90 Minute Cynic, and we will speak to you down the road. Sweetie, you don't look so good. Your bottom lip is bleeding. I cut it on your collarbone.